0: So here we go, wise guys. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. Uh, Man, there's a lot going on on campus. Let's jump right into our uh, kind of our teasers for the show. First of all, Blaine, BYU makes coaching changes on defense. Elisa Tuiaki steps down as the defensive coordinator. We anticipate there will be other movements as well. We'll discuss what happens next.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that. We won't get into it right now because... That's why we call it a tease because yeah. we're just telling you what we're going to talk exactly. about in the course of this show. But yeah, there's a lot of dominoes that are going to fall as as this progresses down that pathway right now. What we know is is that Eliza Tuyaki announced that he was stepping down. Um, my, my feeling is is that you know Kalani had talked to him about it. And Elisa thought, you know, I'm going to just get out in front of it, let some of these young guys prove their worth here between now and the bowl game and not wait to the bowl game to make the announcement. Yeah. So so he went ahead and on social media let it out there. So we'll talk about what happens as a result of that and maybe some of these other things that will go on down the road. Um, hey, how about the Cougars uh, run over Stanford? When I say run over Stanford, I use that word. Because one of the great rushing performances in the history of BYU is they dominated the line of scrimmage um, in the regular season final. Oppressive win, 35-26 to 26 over Stanford, over in Palo Alto, where BYU's fans took the stadium over as we expected.
0: It was glorious. Practice resumes. Now they're waiting for their bowl game. We're going to look at some of the possibilities. December 17th appears to be the target day, but there's a few other games around that like to get it in before Christmas. When you're not in the Mega Balls, yeah. Next year, it'll be a whole different bowl scenario. You yeah. know, the Big 12 bowls are all after Christmas, closer to New Year's. Yeah. And uh, this year, not the case, but it's the the last blast of independence.
1: Well, And we know that Kalani and the players and the coaches, they love all these extra practices. So they absolutely, regardless of what bowl, that's the most valuable part of it, is that you get these extra 15 practices. Their wish is to play before Christmas. That's why we're saying targeting the 17th, because yeah. there's several possibilities there. Unfortunately, when you're in BYU's position and you're not in a conference until next year, um, sometimes your wish doesn't come true. There's also a couple on the. There's one on the 27th that they've been listed on in several publications, and we'll, we'll come back and talk about that. We know what BYU wants. Yeah. They want it before Christmas. Good opponent. Nice location. Place. Um, Preferably warm. Yeah. And so there's a good chance that that, that happens, but there's still a chance that it, it could be as late as the 27th. So we'll talk yeah. about that in just a bit. So, um, hey, how about BYU basketball? They're taking over Salt Lake City this whole week. Yeah. And that's because Christmas around the world has taken over the Marriott Center, which is a great. If you haven't seen Christmas around the world, which I have, it's awesome. It'll get you in the Christmas spirit in a heartbeat. Um, but you so can't have
0: that show and play
1: basketball. No, because at the same it's time. it's it's a big, huge setup. Um, they take over the Marriott Center, so is going to take over Salt Lake City two games this week at Vivint. You and I will be up there for both. Sweet, because the Christmas lights are on. There's right. a
0: new coating of snow all over Utah yep. today and so pretty. through the week. And
1: Salt Lake City, by the way, I was in Salt Lake City last night. It took me um, an hour and 20 minutes to get from 123rd South to Lehigh High School I to, saw the to watch the basketball it. Oh, my game. gosh. It was a blizzard, sideways snow on Point of the Mountain, like the old days.
0: Like the old days. So
1: Salt Lake City is blanketed in white. Um, Provo is, too, just not quite as much. Um, so it's fun, and, and it's going to be fun. Tonight is yeah. is the first of that. Saturday's the other. We'll talk a little bit more and give you specifics around uh, where to watch the game and what time.
0: Women's Hoops hits the road for Boise State. And Utah State and the women's volleyball team, they find out who they're playing in this week's NCAA tournament, and we'll roll that out for you as well. Let's jump into the headlines, and the biggest of all headlines is the Big 12 football schedule, which we anticipate will be Thursday. Tom Hulmo said December 1st in our interview with him uh, two weeks ago, uh, which was our only indicator of a date that anybody's heard. He said, well, we got to be ready for December 1st. So that's when he said, I know who we're playing. At home, and I know who we're playing on the road. We just don't have the dates off yeah, finalized. He didn't know, like, and then he dropped to, December 1st on us.
1: They have computer programs that, like, he knows who their home opponents and away opponents, as you mentioned. But he indicated to you that he didn't yet know. The computer sticks it in there and makes sure it all works out of when they're going to have a bye and what weeks they're going to play who. um, And whether they have back-to-back homes or home and away and home and away. So he mentioned that December 1st was the target. And, and that's Thursday. Was the target to have all that figured out and make an announcement, which is going to be really cool. So we
0: expect a nine-game slate of conference games, which is interesting because uh, there's either going to be five at home uh, or or five on the road. BYU already has two home games scheduled. So if they get five conference games, that gives them seven home games. Right. They haven't had seven home games with the exception of 2020 and 1996 because it's expensive to the season ticket holder.
1: Right. And But it's it's when they play at home, that's – Revenue, obviously, every time they play a home game, there's a lot of revenue that comes with that for the program, plus the additional TV revenue that's coming. Next year could be a positive year yeah. for the finances of the program.
0: It's interesting, though, they stay away from, like Notre Dame will play seven, eight, some of those schools in Nebraska yeah. will play as many as they can. But for our fan base, uh, when you go seven home games and you've got a family of four or five with season tickets, now that's all, all of a sudden that's another thousand bucks. Right. And, um, and that, I think they, they've tried to stay away from that. But here's what I like. I like if you get seven home games, you move one to Vegas. You don't count it in the season home ticket package.
1: And the Vegas fans will pick those tickets up like yeah, that.
0: Absolutely. And then you got a Vegas game and six home games. Um, I like that. I like yeah. that. We'll see. It's, it's well, I have a, a feeling.
1: And, and BYU does play on the road next year um, at Arkansas. Yeah. And so that's one of their road non conference games is set. And that's Arkansas. So if they
0: play five road games in the Big Twelve, that's six P five road games. Yes, next year, that's plenty. which has never happened ever. That's
1: plenty for anybody, right?
0: <laughs> and then it would give them five conference games at home, and then the two, uh, Sam Houston and Southern Utah, to and, and warm whoever's is that, quarterback.
1: That, that Arkansas team we got, we saw them up close and personal. They're uh, they're young, they're really talented and young, and so that's going to be quite the challenge. But how fun is that to? To go play an SEC country on the road. If I'm a player, I'm loving that. Um, but but you're right. That's six road games against P5s, um, and then at, at least five home games against P5s at home. Right. So
0: um, hey, the more football. Or, we,
1: or would it be four? Could there be four home? No, I think it's five.
0: You got to play nine. Yeah. So you can't play six road games, right? I think it'd be four. Four and five, yeah. One way or the other, yeah. One way or the other. Five gives you seven home games, right? Five road so games we'll gives you six yeah, p five we'll on the road. So we're we're anticipating Thursday. If it's not Thursday, the world's not going to end. But we circled Thursday after Tom circled Thursday, and,
1: and we're hoping it's Thursday because if they announce it, like say later in the day Thursday, then you and I are co-hosting Sports Nation on Friday, right? And we'll we'll be glad to fill you in on every game and where it is and when. If, and if it's not that, say they do it Friday afternoon. Well, we'll put a graphic together. We'll have it in our game at Vivint on Saturday.
0: You have ne- you and I have not hosted a Sports Nation since the day after the Miami Beach brawl bowl right. game. What year was that? We alternate. That we alternate ago.
1: in, but we go with Jeremy and Spencer yeah. or, or Jason, and you and I kind of alternate in. But so Junior called and said,
0: "Hey, I got you and Blaine uh, or Ben once." you and blaine on on friday together and i texted back sometimes you got to give the people what they want exactly well <laughs> so we're going to do that and, and the friday timing,
1: if if indeed this announcement comes out on thursday or early friday wouldn't that be nice for us to be able to go through oh, that yeah. schedule so so keep keep your eyes and ears open we'll tweet some things out um uh, we might guys. even pop in on yeah. here we might even guys. pop com. here we might do a little live stream here before we go on with that so so keep uh, if if you're subscribed um, you'll get an email and highlights of the show, but we can also push emails to you or notices to you that, that something's up. So if we get the announcement, we're going to do a little live stream, and you're subscribed to us at ysguys.com, we'll, you'll get a heads up. and yeah. you'll, be able, you'll be able to um, join us for that. So and go to YouTube
0: sure you and hit subscribe. It's free. Go to Twitch. You can follow us for free there. Click on the uh, chat button in the lower right part of the screen. Sign up and follow us. Uh, and, and go to ysguys.com there's, there's subscribe. subscribe.
1: A lot of news this week. And if more, and here's the other thing if more news comes out on coaching staff and those kinds of things this week, you know, we're also going to cover all that. So there's a lot of news coming this week. If you want to be in the middle of that, I think your best bet is to subscribe at ysguys.com because then you're going to get pushed a, an email with, with some uh, news about, about tuning in.
0: So, so speaking of things, uh, I was on Twitter, um, today and I see that uh, Liberty coach Hugh freeze is going to Auburn yep be the head coach there um and I also saw a tweet from Jacob Conover over BYU's backup quarterback yeah and it was kind of like a you know cryptic thing about hey because he drives this van and, he has a minivan. and the, it doesn't drive great in the snow and and then he says I think it's time for me to move on and put some eyeballs there now I read right through that 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 tells me that he's going into the transfer portal if, if you without if you any say, other knowledge
1: if you say um, looks like it's time for me to get a different car if I'm going to be here in Utah. With That's...
0: a little some eyeballs.
1: He didn't say that. He yeah. he says time for me to move on.
0: Maybe it's time for me to move on. Move on from the van. Move on from from BYU. Here's what we know: the portal season is here, and um...
1: hey, if anybody has a four wheel drive for 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 Jacob, <laughs> we can help a brother out. Okay. <laughs>
0: He's a redshirt freshman quarterback. Came in highly touted. Uh, came into the game the other night against Stanford, and they ran 10 straight times because Stanford couldn't tackle. Um, they ran a pass play. The screen play wasn't there, so we threw it in the ground. Um, but uh, we have seen so little of him during the season, even when Jaron Hall was injured, that uh, many speculate, you know what, the future just may not be there for Conover, at quarterback at BYU, and some will go, what? Are you kidding me? Alabama wanted him years ago. It, we're not at practice. And for whatever reason, he just hasn't gotten on the field. And uh, we haven't had blowouts this year where you would be able to. But there have been opportunities where Aaron Roderick has said, I'm going to go with a quarterback who's not necessarily healthy, but still my best option.
1: And here's, here's my. I'm, and this is way reading through the lines. But yeah. if Baylor Romney is the backup quarterback who everyone on the team trusted implicitly for the last couple of years. Um, and. Jaron had a little bit of a shoulder problem. My bet is he would have sat down for a game or two and got healthy because they felt like Baylor can run this offense as good as anybody, as good as Jaron, really. Run the offense as good as Jaron. Maybe not run around like Jaron and be as dynamic as Jaron, but in terms of being able to run the whole offense, everyone in that coaching staff felt like he's got as good a grasp as anybody and he's got a great deep. And so Jacob hasn't played. So there wasn't that huge confidence level. The schedule was crazy tough, right? It was right during a difficult part of the schedule, and they felt better about going with an injured Jaron than, than than going with Jacob. So obviously they're telling you, you know what, he's, you know, if Jaron's at 85%, um, we're going to go there. That That tells a little bit. And today's college football, it just seems like transfer mania. It is transformation. So, so what happens is, if you got a big time guy and you have a younger guy that hasn't played a bunch, then all of a sudden you feel like, oh, I got we got to go. Find, who's in the transfer portal that played that maybe got hurt or and then got their job Especially taken? Especially when or,
0: you're going into a Power Five conference, right?
1: Or or say say there's an FCS guy yeah. that was under recruited, that's been starting for two years and thrown for four thousand yards. I mean, look at what Washington State did this last year. Yep. Washington State went. And got a, a guy that was at, from a tiny school in Texas that nobody recruited, but all he did, he went out at FCS and threw for four thousand plus yards and forty something touchdowns. And they're like, "Yeah, that guy was not rec- Like that guy can play right now. He transfers and he starts at Washington State right now. And so, it seems like that's the direction people are are going. Um, they go with a proven, somewhat proven commodity, um, unless somebody comes in out of high school and they just light it up." And then that's your guy, and you play that guy. You, you've always got an eye on the transfer portal. That's just the n- nature of college football today.
0: In the woulda, coulda, shouldas, um, to read down deeper into the between the lines, had Jackson Dart mm. decided that he could wait behind Jaron Hall for one year, for one year instead of have to play right now, uh, he'd have played half the season. Yeah, in theory, he would have played half the season, and 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 he has two years left, and may not have lost the job. Right. You know, he, the opportunity was there. And then he goes into the Big 12 as BYU's quarterback with experience at BYU. But as as the scenario you just pointed out, which we see over and over again, is kids go, uh, what? I don't want to sit. Who's guaranteed? And Ole Miss is like, you'll, you'll start right now. Right. And the, the difference between
1: BYU and Ole Miss was BYU said, we have what we think is an NFL draft pick at quarterback for at least one more year. We don't know how long he's going to be here, but you're in our long-term plans. And old miss is going, no, dude, come here. You're our starter. You're in our plan do, right now. Do you now. know when you're the starter? As soon as you walk down the yeah. stairs of the airplane. Are do airplanes still have stairs anymore? I think so. In Mississippi they do. <laughs> do in Mississippi like, they do. do. or as soon as you walk into the if you go to a major airport, as soon as you walk down the what is that thing called?
0: The gate? The taxiway? Or the I don't gate know what it's called. Whatever. whatever that
1: thing is called. But
0: So they but but you know, again, it doesn't really matter. But the opportunity was Hey, uh, if I go to BYU, I don't want to wait, but I, I guess I could. And then all of a sudden, voila, you're starting. You're starting October. You're playing against Notre Dame. You're playing against Arkansas. You're, and and, uh, and then all of a sudden things change, but but kids don't want to wait.
1: No, the perfect example is Daniels from USC from a couple years ago. Yeah. He was the starter. He got nicked up. They replaced him. The, the other guy won the job, so he transfers to Georgia. He gets beat out by a walk-on. A walk-on. Um, uh, who who Stetson Bennett, who's phenomenal and wins a national champ, then he transfers and who I think he was a starter at West Virginia this year. I can't even remember where he is now.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure where he is either. But he's but he's somewhere and, else.
1: And so it's just like, wait a minute, I'm not the guy. I'll just go someplace else. Yeah. And and they get one free transfer, right? So you get one transfer, and that's without what's penalty. jacked everything up. That's what's messed up the whole world. It, it used transfer- to be
0: if you were leaving, you were sitting out a year, right? Not you, now. You're leaving, and your Ole Miss's starter the day you. Well,
1: and Jackson Dart. Why Jackson Dart started a bunch of games for USC, yeah. but Lincoln Riley got the job at SC and immediately announced that Caleb Williams, his starting quarterback and Heisman Trophy uh, um, uh, candidate from Oklahoma, along with a couple of receivers, were transferring with him. And Jackson's going, they're bringing this brand new offense that this guy's been running for. I'm him. out. There's no way I'm going to get the job, so I'm out. Um, and he left, and yeah. that's that's a part of college football. That ten years ago was not something that you dealt with, oh. and so so when we say, um, you know BYU they, they've got they've got Jake, um, you know they got Cade in the program they like they like both of them, but but they're not just going to go let's hope we can develop those two guys that's not how college football works anymore, they're going to go if Jaron goes out which we all think he likely will, right. um, they've they've had an eye on that transfer portal. For a while, you've got to get an insurance policy. And the
0: outside quarterbacks looking for better opportunities also know there's going to be an opening here. Right. And so it's a two-way. The coach doesn't have to be the only one doing the calls, right? He yeah. can take calls.
1: And but and here's the difference. I I, I don't know that BYU is going to go out and say to anybody, unless it's like high, high level, maybe maybe Mac, the Michigan kid that got hurt, who was their starter and really good. McNamara. Yeah, but, but – Outside of somebody like that, I don't think is going to pull an Ole Miss. I don't think they're going to go Just to, say, you're our guy. You're the guy as soon as you get off the plane. yeah, They're going to say, boy, we think you fit into our plans. You, you'd have the inside track, but you're going to have to compete for the job. I just think that's the nature of how Kalani and Aaron do things. I don't think they're just handed to somebody.
0: So it's all about the future being Thursday again when we anticipate the Big 12 conference. Football schedule announced. And again, if it's not Thursday, it might be Friday, it might be into the next week, but it is coming in December. We think it's December one. Uh, the coaching changes, the Tuiyaki change, and those that are gonna follow. And then the hires and the portals and the new schedules in a bowl game in there and suddenly there's no off season.
1: There's never an off season. <laughs> we got
0: more to talk about this off season than we've had to talk about in the right, season.
1: Because we'll be talking about coaching changes, we'll be talking about transfer. Portal guys, um, we'll be talking about position races that are going on in January, February, and March, and off-season oh, yeah. workouts and spring ball. It's right? going
0: to be a good time. That's why. That's why the wise guys is here. That's why we went on in May. We got a whole year and a half before the first Big Twelve game uh, to talk about it all and and kind of bring our and, alumni base together. And then, and, and then together. we'll have
1: basketball all through the winter to talk about. And a really young team. And yeah. you know, we'll and I, I'm certain we'll be talking about new new folks to bring into the Big 12 fold that Mark Pope's, you know, to add pieces to that puzzle. I love his young group. Yeah. I, you know, they're a little erratic right now, but – but I love the talent there, and they're going to be good. And he's going to Mark Pope's going to add another transfer piece or two, so it's going to or be three really, or yeah. four. It'll be really interesting.
0: So good times ahead. Uh, BYU football seven and five. We all feel better about that. Yes, beat Stanford thirty five to twenty six. wasn't as close as the score indicated, although there were some moments in the second half. But through the first three quarters, BYU destroyed the Cardinal at the line of scrimmage.
1: Yeah, and and. Both, on both sides of the ball, they look really good. They came out and just shut Stanford down in that first half, um, the way we'd hoped they would play defense. And and by the way, since Kalani's taken over three weeks ago, they've gotten progressively better every game. And and don't look past in any way, shape, or form that Boise State game and how that team performed. Boise State went. Boise State was really, really high level football going into that game. BYU dominated them, and they've been really high level football since then. Yeah, and they're likely going to win the Mountain West Conference, and and you know there was an outside chance they were going to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Still, that's I think that's to this to this day BYU's best win. You can go back to Baylor, um, but. When the season's all wrapped up and said and done, their best win Boise State may be the best team that BYU beat all year. On the and road. Especially under the circumstances yeah. where they'd been they've been losing, had that losing streak going in, had really been struggling to turn that around about that around that level of a team was phenomenal. And it carried over to Utah Tech. They were really good with their assignments on both sides of the ball there. And then to Stanford, they did a great job. Had a, a couple of broken coverages that are going to drive the coaches nuts again in the Stanford game. But but by and large, the thing that we've been complaining about um, that BYU hadn't been able to do up to the Boise State game was get their run fits right and stop the other team from running the football. And in Stanford, you know, we talk about BYU having 358 yards of rushing. Stanford had 53 Mm-hmm. They couldn't run the ball. Now I know they have had running back issues, right. but but they got a big physical offensive line. And when when we watched and and we'll talk, we, we talked about it on Afr today, um, BYU's run fits have been really good three straight weeks in a row. And BYU's down four linebackers, but they just executed. Um, and and they're they're going to get better next year in the secondary. They got a bunch of young corners. Um, they're going to move some guys to safety. I think they're going to be even better in the secondary next year. There's with Kalani running that defense the way he has the last three weeks, it's been a little m- more simplified from a scheme perspective. The guys seem to be more aggressive, knowing where they're supposed to be. And uh, and even though they gave up some in the past game, and hey, T- Tanner McKee's an NFL Quarterback.
0: Yeah, it's good arm. I was glad to see him play well. Two yeah. return missionary quarterbacks. So he's going compl- head to head. He's gonna
1: complete some balls. He'll complete some balls against everybody. Yeah. I, I just love the way they shut the run down. And how about Chris Brooks the last couple of weeks? It's like somebody lit a fire under him and said, You need to run like you're upset.
0: He was upset. He ran 23 times. He was mad all 23, 164 <laughs> yards. He has big games against Stanford as a former Cal guy. Mm-hmm. You have to have games against Stanford. And so he goes in there on from the very first carry. It's just like, you You're know what I'm angry, doing? I'm right? running right through you. Right through you over and over and over and over. Jaron Hall only threw eleven passes in a game where BYU scored thirty five points and dominated in uh in, in total offense. Seven of eleven. Seven two of those seven touchdowns. Then he ran a
1: touchdown. Yeah, he sprained was a his big, ankle was in the third quarter. It was huge. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Now about that ankle, what do we know?
1: high ankle sprain which is very typical when you kind of get rolled on you, we everybody saw in the game how he got kind of rolled on um good news is he's got like three weeks you know and he was walking around on it after the game it wasn't like um hey we got to get him on crutches in a boot it's so serious because we've yeah. seen it, sprained ankles that serious um so my my guess is he'll be okay to go for the bowl game. and i
0: feel like uh this bowl game bYU is not going to take off like like last no, year. No, they,
1: they need a launching pad into yeah. next year, and and yeah. I think everybody knows that. And Jaron played hurt for four games, right? With a separated, not separated, but an a injured shoulder, right? Yeah. Um, and so he he played through pain to prove to NFL scouts, I'm not just going to take games off if I I, I I'm going to play hurt. And you have to in the NFL. Everybody's playing hurt. You do in college football too. There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. Like when I say you're injured, you've got something that can be aggravated or worse if you get out and play on it. People play bumped up, bruised up, hurt. As long as they can't injure it further, they do. He did that. And he went out and in pain threw the ball, took a little bit of velocity off the ball. But I got to give him a lot of credit for fighting through that. I don't think this is going to be any different. Like, I think he's going to go, yeah, and I already committed that I'm going to play in this bowl game. And unless this is, this ankle is truly injured and I'm going to hurt it worse, I'm going to tape that thing up and go out and play. That's been his mentality. I have a lot of respect for that.
0: And I'm going to hand it to Chris Brooks. He's going to run angry.
1: Yes, see. it And
0: Puka Nakua is going to run some jet sweeps. And then when I do throw, my tight end is going to be wide open, run for a 43-yard touchdown yeah. like the other And
1: night. it was so nice to see Isaac Rex get so much more involved, the tight end involved. in the. And even though he didn't throw that many, he was a big-time target in this yeah.
0: game. Yeah, he's yeah. getting healthier. He's going to be a beast next yeah. fall.
1: And so, and BYU, no penalties.
0: Think about that one for a minute.
1: No that doesn't penalties. happen in college football.
0: It hasn't happened at BYU in five decades.
1: And here's the funny thing. When we were doing the scouting report last week on AFR, you and I and Dave Nixon, we talked about the fact that Stanford was, even though they had a bunch of injuries, they were one of the most disciplined football teams in all of, all of America, right? That they didn't get penalized, and that was a big advantage for them. And then BYU goes out and doesn't get a single penalty. How about that?
0: That hasn't happened since Lavelle's first year. I wrote an article about it in the Deseret News yesterday. Uh, kind of a posthumous gift from the, from the Cougars in the 50th anniversary of the— uh, first season that Lavelle was hired in the final game of that regular season they go out there and they play a clean game and Lavelle coached a clean game and that's why everyone loved him all around college football but I went back there and I go what else was going on in 1972 the median price of a new home was 30,000 bucks
1: oh my goodness
0: it's hardly a down payment but you know what anymore. My,
1: my my parents told me that the house that I grew up in in New York this is in New York too um that their house payment was seventy five dollars a month, and that included taxes and insurance. <laughs>
0: I think the boyhood <laughs> those home those were the days. The boyhood home I grew up in, where my mom still lives, was seventeen thousand bucks. Isn't that like a house.
1: thirty thousand median seventy two? That doesn't seem that long ago because you and I were alive then. Yeah, you were barely.
0: I was. I was not. You were a little bit. A gallon of gas uh, thirty six cents. The last time
1: BYU played a football game
0: without a penalty.
1: A gallon of milk a dollar twenty. Here's the interest. Milk has not gone up as much as gas or anything else. Why is why was milk so expensive back then? You know,
0: was there a cow shortage? Do we have more maybe, cows? Maybe we've got more cows. The Big Mac sandwich was sixty five cents,
1: and I loved me a Big Mac in 72. Now
0: they're three ninety nine, <laughs> and they're so much
1: smaller. So uh, I have to tell you, I hadn't had a Big Mac. <laughs> I hadn't had a Big Mac, and I don't know how many. It's been years, right? Yeah. And you and I sometimes on a basketball day, we'll yeah. we'll go do the shoot arounds and we sure. run down to McDonald's, and we just grab. And I always kind of get a double cheese, you know. Um, but about three weeks ago, I wasn't feeling that great and I got hungry, and I, I drove down through the drive-thru, and I just thought to myself, I haven't had a Big Mac in 10 years, and I got one. I forgot how good a Big Mac is. Yeah, That's a great sandwich. I
0: order it without pickles so that they have to somewhat cook it fresh, and then it's delicious. But
1: is it me, or have the burgers on the Big Mac gradually gotten they've smaller they've gotten
0: smaller as the price has gone up
1: yeah that's that's the only thing my only complaint was i just needed a little, <laughs> little more meat on they that.
0: should rename it like the little mac
1: w- w- or and, a remnant and, and, and of remember the the, what the wendy's commercial where's the beef <laughs> that, that's where that comes from <laughs> yeah. is that the beef is shrinked has shrunken
0: but this it's still pretty is good shrunken a word uh, it is today okay. and, and the right time uh a big mac's delicious and some yes, people are like oh i can't believe you grown men would eat a big mac it's like yeah, people, with some fries and a Coke.
1: People need to stop dissing McDonald's because you and I like it, and it's it's a good place. So, so
0: Lavelle hired as head coach, 1972. Again, the last time BYU went penalty-free. So, they finished the regular season 7-5, and, and they go 6-1 against the Pac-12 over the last two seasons. Yeah. And they beat the best of the Pac-12, with the exception of Oregon.
1: And, and now, they have, because Stanford was the lone wolf, they've beaten every... Pac-12 team um, over the course of the last however many years. um, Interesting, they had only played Stanford twice historically, but they were 0-2. Every other program in the Pac-12 BYU has a victory against except for Stanford and now now BYU. Not only do they dominate that league the last two years, but they have a win against every team in the Pac-12.
0: So the bowl announcement we anticipate on Sunday, if not sooner, after the college football playoff bracket is announced and then all the trickle-downs of where everybody's going is uh, is put in place. Um, ESPN has 16 bowls, and, and they're contracted to put BYU in into one of them. And as we mentioned a, a, a short time ago, we anticipate it be to be before Christmas.
1: And, and it's because I think BYU's let it be known um, – Hey, if you're not in a New Year's Six Bowl or in the College Football Playoff, you love having the extra practices, but you just soon be done for Christmas, so that the the players and the coaches can all be home with family um, for Christmas, rather than go over Christmas. But sometimes you don't get your wish, yeah. and, and we'll see. And, but I like, we've, we've seen multiple. We've seen Frisco Bowl, which is before Christmas. We've seen New Mexico Bowl. The Mexico Christmas. Bowl would be prime time.
0: December 17th on ABC. Yeah. Never mind, it's in New Mexico. You have to block that out because there well, shouldn't the be thing. a bowl game it's, in New Mexico.
1: I used to do a lot of basketball games down in the pit in the olden days. And you know what? Brenda and I would just hop in the car. She'd come down with me sometimes when I had a yeah. game in Albuquerque. And we drive the short drive up the road to Santa Fe. And Santa Fe at Christmas time, because I've had a game right at Christmas time, is beautiful. So don't don't knock it. Go down, take a drive to Santa Fe, take in the, the Christmas lights and the great culture and the art in Santa Fe, and then come back down and watch your team and then go home.
0: Nevertheless.
1: It's not the greatest spot.
0: <laughs> it's not the greatest spot. But it's it's, so it, I'm still looking at TV opportunity, ABC, and maybe right. maybe they'll give you a decent right. opponent. But then um, we've heard the wide range of, well, of I've, various I've teams. Heard
1: the, the couple that are interesting to me just because it, I think it would be an interesting matchup. And and more than one publication has listed these two. Um the First Responder Bowl, which is down in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, that's that's after Christmas is the 27th. The thing that I like about it, it's Kansas they're talking about the matchup with. I'd love that. So, so the matchup is what I would like in that one. The A Kansas Big
0: 12 player, preview.
1: Yeah. And I think that'd be fun. And Kansas is... Really good offensively, not so great defensively. It'd be a really fun matchup, and it would be a future big. That would be my
0: preferred of all of them (laughs) because of that.
1: It's P five P five, which is the only one that I've been looking at. That's P five P five. So, so there's a couple. I love that for the matchup. And you know what, Dallas Fort Worth area. There's lots to do down there, Um, and so I think I think it would be I think it would be good. The other one is is the Armed Forces. But now that first responder bowl, I think it's an SMU's stadium in Highland Park area. which is kind of northwest Dallas. Yeah. And that's a beautiful bowl stadium, all chairs that they built on campus. So SMU didn't have to go over and and play in the Cotton Bowl. And when 25,000 people show up, look like the place is empty. So exactly. you can hear echoes. And so I think it's a 30,000 ish seat, really nice stadium there. Um, the Armed Forces Bowl is at TCU's home stadium. So that's a place to be are going to play a lot in the next several years. Um, and that's the 22nd so it's before Christmas the only problem is they're talking about Air Force as the opponent for that yeah game.
0: I don't love that
1: no and I don't think anybody loves that because of the brand of offense they play
0: so yeah, you know, so we'll see um but it's gonna be one of those and and you've got to I, I think you've got to uh look at it as a celebration game a celebration of the ind- independence kind of like the Utah Tech game it's like well it's Utah Tech so what it's, but Utah Tech happened to be the last home game of Independence over right. 12 years and the launch into the Big 12, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, this is what this is. It's never going to be like this again, so I can embrace it, enjoy, enjoy it, it for yeah. what it is.
1: The, the, one, the one publication listed the Independence Bowl again. And, and you know what? I just hope that ESPN, because why send them to the same bowl you know, yeah. back-to-back. And, and I, I just – so I'm, I'm hoping not that one. One, one publication listed that. I'd, I'd much rather have the Frisco Bowl or the New Mexico Bowl or the First Responder Bowl or the Armed Forces Bowl. I, any of those would – there's good there's good about any of those. Next so, year at like,
0: this time we'll be talking hey, about
1: – the Big 12's lineup of bowls.
0: Alamo Bowl. Is a whole or, different scenario. Or, yeah, just right, just right on down the scenario. list against – well, that's the SEC opponent. Uh, that's a Pac-12 you, opponent. You just need that's to finish in the
1: top half of the Big 12, and you've got a much better bowl.
0: Yeah, which so. would be a challenge, but the bowls, you know, if you got the worst bowl... Of the Big 12 it would be so much better than the best bowl that <laughs> BYU's gonna get because
1: they're just slotting them into the, you know. So,
0: so better days are ahead, but we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on the bowl situation. Let's go back to the uh, coaching move with Elisa Tuiaki for a moment. Defensive coordinator announced on Sunday via social media that he was going to step down and leave the program. Won't coach in the bowl game. Uh, gives him plenty of time to find a new job and and BYU time to find his replacement. And, uh, and I was on Sports Nation yesterday and we were talking about it. And there's, there's when, you, when, when a coach is dismissed or decides to leave or whatever, everything focuses in the negative of, oh, we couldn't stop Arkansas. We couldn't blah, 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 blah. And, and this is why this is a good move. But then if you're going to do that, as, as I mentioned yesterday, you've also got to bring in the fact that BYU was 28-9 over the last three seasons. Eliza Tuiaki was 28-9. and Right. Jaron Hall was 6-1 and one against the Pac-12. Tuiaki was six and one against the Pac-12. You got to throw those numbers into. Yeah, he in he
1: too. was eleven and one, or was it was eleven and one two years ago? They were ten and three last year, or were they twelve and one two? 11
0: years Eleven and think, one like, in the COVID year, right? And right? then and then ten and, then and 10 three, three last been, yeah. year.
1: Yeah, and, he and, was the defensive coordinator those two years, and so they, I, and they and they were ranked for seventeen straight weeks, and he was the D coordinator.
0: Yeah, I don't like when we just pile on a guy and, and dismiss him. and It's like, well, now wait a second. Hey, that, he was in on. Everything that was good, he right. was in on.
1: And, and people felt like, well, they slide the last end of the last season. Well, guess what? They lost five start, five of their top six linebackers last year, half their secondary. And, and then this year, they've lost four of their top six linebackers again.
0: Oh, and by the way, they also played uh, Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Stanford, five P5s at Boise State. Right. And Utah State was the league champion Bo- last year. State's, we didn't know they were going to crumble. Boise State's
1: as, as good as more than – they'd be in the top third of P5 programs in the country this year.
0: Yeah, you know? and, and you know what's strange too? And,
1: Liber- and Liberty was on a roll when they played them, and East Carolina was on the roll when they played them. This is the toughest schedule. I think this schedule shaped up to be the toughest one BYU's played.
0: And let's say this. Uh, this is funny how the game goes. And I'm all for change, and I think this is a good change. Yeah. Um, but if, if Jaron Hall doesn't get his shoulder injured at the end of the Utah State game, Mm-hmm. They don't go zero for four in October, and no. we're not even having this conversation. Right, it has got at. nothing to do with whatever the defense did. It has everything to do with something that an offensive guy did on the field when the defense was on the sideline.
1: Right, and, and that's short, short, short fields and all that. And so, so, th- but they're gonna they're gonna make some changes yeah. as, as they go into the Big Twelve. And it's and I just caution people to be a little bit careful because I read like every once in a while somebody will show me a tweet or something about somebody that just really almost angry. Oh, great. It's about to and like, and I'm going, What do you, have you been in the meetings over there? No. Do, you, do you know what, like, and, and people act so opinionated and so negative about it. As you mentioned, he's he had a phenomenal run here. And, and, you know, maybe we'll love the style that they go with now. Cause I, I do believe, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, that it's going to be Kalani run for a while. Um, but this, this is the same tone. And I remember I'm going way back. And you remember it too, Dave. Norm Chow is awful. Right. He needs to be out of here. The He's game's the worst passed person. By. The game's passed him by. I mean, I was listening to people and I kept telling people, you need to stop saying that because first of all, it's blatantly false. Why why all of a sudden is everybody on Norm Chow? Well, we didn't we had a little bit of a talent issue for a couple of years. And then, so what does Norm do? He's like, okay, you know what? I'm sick and tired of this fan base just telling me how crappy I am. I'm out. I'll just go to USC and win two national championships and coach a bunch of Heisman Trophy winners, and then I'll go be the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. And when I'm done, I'm going to be recognized as one of the greatest minds, offensive minds, in the history of college football. And BYU fans basically ran him out on a rail. Yeah. I I remember it. I remember it well. You remember those
0: days. He called uh, most of the plays in Lavelle's glory years. Yeah. Most of them. Uh, and and in years when he had a really good quarterback, he won the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. And in years where he had a quarterback that wasn't great, all right, we were eight and four.
1: Yeah, people were freaking out. You know. And 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 guess what? And, and those USC, like a couple of those USC teams, you can make an argument are the best teams in the history of college football. And he was running that offense, yeah. right? So it's just, it's like you just got got to be careful. Um, and you with, can have opinions. That's with, okay. With, yeah, and yeah, you all that be stuff. Careful but careful with how angry and how negative you are about people, um, and and I think it's like he's, he's moving on, and we may love the direction they take, and that'll be great. What I'm saying is when somebody's put in all those years and the hours, because these guys go in at 6.30 in the morning and get home at 10 o'clock at night, all football season long, then they go on the road and recruit in the hall in the offseason. I think it's time to say, hey, thanks for the amazing job that you did and how – and all of the time you committed to this program and to these kids and the effect that you've had on kids, and say good luck to you. Because I, I got news for you. He's got some really, really good friends in the in the business, and Elisa Chiyaki's going to go off and you know maybe be a D-line coach at a P5 school yeah. um, and, and probably be really, really good and come back to haunt us and coach against <laughs> us at some point. So I think you always wish people well
0: um and if a five dollar booster is the one making all the noise the five dollar booster right the multi-million dollar booster they're not on twitter going this guy's an idiot we should fire him i can't they don't do that they they may they may make a phone call and have some visits and Say hey what's going how on can in, how right. can we do this how can but but it's the five dollar booster that's like you know gnashing of teeth and all that that's so stupid well, um,
1: remember, Kyle Whittingham, like, I don't know, it's it's every fan base. So yeah, um, they were ready to run Kyle out on a rail a few years ago. And Utah's the best, like, hey, I hate to even say these words, but Utah's by far the best program in the Pac-12 in the last decade. By far. They've yep. been in four of the last five Pac-12 championship games.
0: And he's a good coach. And, he's a great coach. But
1: but people people, over time, when they've had a little bit of a down year, act like, he's never going to stand up to urban like he's been better than urban meyer at utah now urban's been great at other places but he seems to go build a team win a national championship and then leave leave them in shambles i right? was
0: interviewing kyle one time uh for a father's day piece on uh, ksl tv and and we finished up and we were walking around and he was showing around the offices and and uh and you know it was great it was a fun visit and and our dads knew each other when at byu back in the day and and both had passed, so we had a lot in common. And I said, and I just looked at him. I said, "You know what we are, Kyle? We're just two BYU guys who happen to have jobs in Salt Lake City." Yeah, that's. right. I don't I, think he thought that was as funny <laughs> as I did. I
1: love it. <laughs> so, but you know, and, and it's, it seems like it's always it's always that way that when your team has a little bit of a downturn, we're not patient, and we start to calling for people's heads, and and it and, and it is it, it it's and but when something changes like this, I, I think what we all need to do is. Um, take the high road and go. Hey, Eliza stepped down; he's moving on. Thanks for coming. Um, thanks for being all of the country because amazing contributions, um, and your and your phenomenal record while you were here of twenty eight and nine and the, that great run. We, we're grateful to you for every minute that you put in. Now we wish you well. Yeah. And I, and I see some tweets out there, not a lot. I realize I'm talking to the minority here because most people are exactly what we're talking about, but there's some people out there that are just like, "Oh, good. Now I'm gonna." I'm going to grind him into the ground. Tell yeah. him how much he stunk while he was here. I Seriously. Just, I, 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 that stuff is lost on me. So, But but now what happens? Now that Elisa, who's the D coordinator, has stepped down.
0: There's going to be others. Yeah. There will be others. Be,
1: because Kalani now, when, you, when your coordinator steps down, now you're evaluating the whole defensive side of the ball, right? Now you're going, okay, how am I going to structure this thing moving forward? Am I going to still be in charge as the head coach? and bring some younger people in around me? Or maybe a, a, a more veteran person that I can use as a sounding board, but I'm still in charge? Or am I going to go find a big-name person and bring them in and just turn it over to them? Um, and if I do that, do I give them carte blanche of who they bring in with them and, and have decision-making over the position coaches? I mean, there's a lot that's going to happen now in, in the coming weeks. And, I mean, I, I have an opinion on what I think he should do. Um. Yes. So Go ahead. I'm just gonna use an uh, use an example, and most of these are see on here. our
0: show. We can give our own right. opinions.
1: This is my opinion. Kalani's is one of the best defensive coordinators I've ever seen in the game. He he was recognized as the best defensive coordinator in the Pac-12 for a long time. So P5 defensive coordinator. Um, he got the Oregon State job, um, uh, and and went up there, and then got the BYU job because of his reputation as being one of the best defensive minds in college football, right? Yeah. And, and well, hey, let's give Kyle, Kyle Whittingham credit. Kyle took him under his arm and said, this is my guy. I'm going to make him a mirror image of me. I'm going to teach him everything I know about defensive football, but I'm going to keep control of it until I know that he's a mirror image of me. And then when Kalani was a mirror image, he turned it over to him, right? right. Um, you know, Gary the same way and all, and all those guys. That's kind of been – and now if you look at what Kyle's done, he, when, he took Morgan – and and said, hey, he's gonna be this is the next guy that I'm gonna bring up. And I'm gonna be really, really involved. And it's gonna be my defense until I know that that Morgan Scally is a direct mirror image of me, and then I'll give it to Morgan, right? And now Morgan's had it. And Morgan's recognized as one of the top 10 defensive coordinators in college football, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. probably the next head coach at Utah. I, I've watched that with Mike Holmgren, I've watched it with Andy Reid. Did Andy Reid hire Eric Bieniemy out of Colorado and say, hey, dude, call the plays? Or did Andy go, I'm the greatest offensive mind in football, period?
0: He may not have said it, but he is.
1: He is, right? Right. So why in the world would I hire Eric Bieniemy and give him the offense to call the plays until I am certain that he thinks exactly like I think, which is like, what, last year? Yeah. And so for how many years did Andy have charge of that offense and call those plays while Eric was right there by his side, and he said, this is how we think this way, This until he was certain that Eric thought exactly like he thought and said, you know what, now I can turn it over to him with some of my input, but I'm not giving up what I'm best at. What about Sean McVay? Hey, did Lincoln Riley, you know, when he took the Oklahoma job, say, you know what, now that I'm the head coach of Oklahoma, I'm going to bring in an offense coordinator. And Lincoln's going, no, I'm brilliant on offense. That's what I'm great at. I can be the head coach and run the offense. And
0: that's what I'm getting paid to do.
1: Right. So now he's at USC. Did he immediately go, well, now I'm at USC. I've got all these dollars. I can go get a veteran coordinator that can do. Why in the world would he do that? Lincoln Riley is one of the brightest offensive minds in the game, right? So so he's calling. Do you think Mike Leach is not when he take when he took over, wherever he's been, whether it's Washington State or whatever, he brings. So I guess the point, and I realize that those are a lot of offensive guys examples, yeah. but there's the same on the defensive side, right? My feeling is there are some really good guys out there that, that Kalani could bring in, but Kalani needs to bring in somebody that doesn't think that they need to come in here and go, well, you know what? I am a defense coordinator. I know what I'm doing, and my defense is what we're running, and this is what we're doing. It would be diff- different if Kalani was an offensive coach his whole career and was bringing a D coordinator. Right. That's what he needs on offense. Kalani needs somebody on offense to just go with it. It's and, what
0: Gary Croton did when he hired Bronco.
1: right. Bronco come run, but Kalani's the defensive wizard. Yeah, and he took it over the last. I think Kalani gave it up too soon. I think he should have taken Eliza under his wing. He should have said, "Listen, you're the, you're the run game coordinator. You're the D coordinator, but I'm calling the defense, and I'm gonna do exactly what Kyle did with Morgan, and maybe we wouldn't be having the conversation. But I think he has a chance to do that now with whoever he brings in. I, there's some names I love. Like I love Frank Miley. Um, you know, I love Sean Nua. I love there's, there's, there's There's so many guys out there that I think that would be willing to come in um, under that type of an arrangement where they go, I'm going to teach you everything I know, but I'm in charge of this and I'm not going to turn it over until you're a mirror image of me. Um, But there's some guys that wouldn't do that. And and I hear people go, well, now we have P five money. We'll go get out and get an established defensive coordinator that has a reputation and all that. I'm like, well, we have one. He's the head coach, yeah. And and the head coach needs to have his influence, and and I think you need to get back to that. That that's my personal opinion. And the great coaches that I've worked with, the Mike Holmgren and Andy Reid and these guys, that's the way they did it. So I like that system. Kyle was my roommate in college. As much as he's up at the U and we're BYU, I respect what Kyle's done, and that's the way Kyle's done it through yep. and through. Yep. And even you watch if Morgan gets that head job, he's probably going to take Sharif Shaw and make him his D coordinator. And he's going to say, "But I'm going to call it until you're a mirror image." Yeah, so,
0: it's all good points.
1: So, so there's there's my philosophy in a nutshell. So what well, I w- what's your what's what, your thought on? that? Well,
0: what I would do is I I agree with all that. So I'm going to leave that as is. Then I would walk down to the hall into Aaron Roderick's office and I'd say, "Aaron, you and the offensive staff, we got to score more points." Yep. Defense, we're gonna I'm going to do all this to fix the defense. But going into the Big Twelve. Thirty-five points is not going to be enough.
1: Right. You got to score forty plus a game
0: in that thing. Yeah. and so you guys got to figure that out. And if you have to make some changes, Amen. we'll make some changes there too.
1: Right. I so yeah, I think you're right. I think he has to say, "I'm going to focus on this," which I probably should have, and I have to trust you on this. But you have to have enough leadership to say. Okay, Kalani, if the charge is to score 40-plus a game, we need to get better here and here and here, and this is the staff I need around me, and I know we have the money, so this is what I need. These are the resources I need. And then Kalani goes and fights and gets those resources for him and tells him, now you you got to get the job done because I'm going to take responsibility for the defense over here, and we're going to get it done. And, and getting it done in the Big 12 is different than getting it done in the past, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Like this, hey, you got to hold teams under 20 points a game. I promise you that's – if you're a really good D coordinator, that's not happening. That you're is
0: not – no, just go look at the scores.
1: Yeah. TCU's the number three team in the country. I'd have to look at what their per game is, but they win some games 50-something to 38. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's just how it goes, and that's how it's going to go. Yep. And um, so it'll be hey, interesting hey, to you, see USC, in the next USC's few USC's
1: not holding people to 20 points a game. No. And they're the number four team in the country. They're not gonna
0: hold the Utes to twenty points there's, on there's, Friday. There's but they one, can there's one score team, fifty. There's
1: one team in the country, maybe one and a half teams in the country, but there's one team in the country that um just shuts people down like nobody else. And that's Georgia. Yeah. Outside of Georgia, who plays like that anymore? I mean, At, even, even Ohio State goes out and outscores people. Now I do feel and like
0: Michigan puts the hurt on it.
1: And 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 I feel like Michigan, um, You know, Jim's tried to build that thing to be that way. But you just look at when they play good teams, that Michigan-Ohio State game, they go out and outscore people. You got to outscore people.
0: Speaking of outscoring people, and we'll keep an eye on all the football stuff, and it's going to be an interesting coming few days and, and weeks leading up to the bowl game. Uh, the BYU basketball team was down in the Bahamas on Friday, uh, in a game kind of lost in the holiday because everything's going on and people are shopping and there's football and all that stuff. But they fall behind to uh, Dayton 32-9 to nine in the first half. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it, and I'm sitting there going... Well, now I'm going to watch you see how bad it's going to get. Because sometimes you. (laughs) It was
1: like coming across an accident. I'm going to stop and look at this.
0: (laughs) Does anybody need any help? And then they turn it around after halftime. They shoot uh, 57% from the field. They limit turnovers to a season low. They come all the way back from 23 down and they beat Dayton in overtime. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, we've seen this movie before. You go back to the 2012 NCAA tournament, BYU's down 25 points to Iona. And they come back and and win. That's tied for the largest comeback in the history of the big dance. And then here we are in 2022, rallying from 23 down against a team that's pretty good, Dayton.
1: Oh, yeah. Dayton Dayton is always in the top of the Atlantic 10. Yeah. In fact, a couple years ago, everybody thought they were a Final Four team. That's how good a program that is.
0: So then the question is, did they they turn the corner? And we'll see that with their games uh, Tuesday and Saturday and then Utah Valley next week before they play Creighton in Vegas on December 10th. Uh, was this the springboard to better days, or was it just a wild second half?
1: This, this, we, we hope. I looked out there to see. I looked really, really hard on the screen to see if I could see some light bulbs coming on, <laughs> because I was hoping that that was the minute the light bulb came on. That they, the two things that we wanted to see them clean up, and the two things that Mark Pope told us were going to be issues early were turnovers, which I feel like in that tournament they did a much better job. You know, you mentioned um, in that Butler game they lost by five. But, but they, they held to 13 turnovers. I think 12 is a good number yeah. for them. And the but, USC but game we, was
0: Helder-Skelder, and they still could have won that Right,
1: and, and remember, there were games early on when you and I were calling where they had 20, 21, 22, 23, 23 turnovers, yeah. which is not good. So in, in that Dayton game, even though they got down, um, they only had 11 turnovers. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I think they've figured out how to play at this pace and take care of the ball better. So that's huge. That was thing number one. I feel like the light bulb did come. I could see the light bulbs on that one these little shooting woes were they get in a rush to shoot the basketball and they have these spans of time where it's just like they can't make a shot and then they get down. In the second half, I love the way it felt like they took their time and, and stayed fundamentally sound and shot the basketball. Um, And they got a lot more shots at the rim.
0: Jackson Robinson's a good shooter. Gideon George's a good shooter when they just give themselves one more second.
1: It's it's like even a half a second to get yourself set, square up, and stay with your fundamentals, right? Um, And so that had been missing. We absolutely saw it in the second half of the Dayton game, and what a difference. So in that second half, they took care of the ball, and they shot the basketball consistently. And they they rebounded. And they rebounded. And they've been rebounding pretty well all, all year. So... So we're going to see today, tonight, and Saturday, and I realize the competition's not the same, but we can still see how they shoot yeah. the basketball. How they run I, their I, plays. I'm expect the goals are 12 turnovers or less in both of these games, and then shoot the basketball. I'd, I'd like to see them be 45% plus from the field, and I'd like to see them be 38% plus as a team from three in these games. And, and if they can do that in both of these games, I'd love it if they were 40-plus from three, if they can do that in these two games, then, then maybe I'm going to see some light bulbs on the shooting side, too.
0: We will so. see you for all three of those games coming up on BYU TV. Women's volleyball, they're a seven-seed in the NCAA tournament. They're going to play against James Madison in Pittsburgh on Friday afternoon. If they win, they'll take on either Colgate or the host team, Pittsburgh, on Saturday. Pitt beat BYU 3-1 to one at the Smith Fieldhouse early in September when uh, they were number 10 and BYU was number 7. So that's the – BYU should win on Friday, and then you've got Pittsburgh on their home floor. That's going to be tough. But this is a volleyball program that makes going to the Sweet 16 –
1: That's just what they do. Just what they do. Yeah, and how about Heather Olmstead? Her career record now, 212. 212 and 28. 88.3%. 88.3%. That is crazy. That's the highest winning percentage of any women's volleyball coach in NCAA Division One history. <laughs> so she knows what she's doing.
0: She knows what she's doing. And, and, this, and they're,
1: they're always a threat to bring it together because they have talent and they're young. Yeah, young um, team. But, but um, hey, who knows? They could get that at Pitt and we'll see how it goes from there. Get it on a roll. So.
0: Men's volleyball gets going in January. We'll get Sean Olmstead yeah. in here and visit with him about it. Hey, coming up next week, our guests will include Glenn Kozlowski. Outstanding BYU receiver, star in the Michigan game uh, that, that locked up the national championship. Cubs pitcher Michael Rucker had a great year with Chicago. Uh, big-time BYU product. He's going to join us live. And, and then we'll visit with Scott Robinson. He's the promoter of the BYU Creighton game, which is December down, 10th, down in Vegas. Mandalay Bay. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Mark Durant's going to come in studio December 13th. Excited for that because he's going to
1: rebut everything that Devin Absolutely. Said.
0: We'll get some questions from Devin. Yeah. Mark is the uh, uh, analyst on BYU Radio. And then you and I together on the 20th. Because we've got a basketball similar, game that Very this one today. And then we're working with Danny Ains to get him later in the we're
1: month. Try, trying to get him at the end of the month if we can. So, um, uh, we, we hope that you watched after further review just before this. Can you right? believe it
0: was our last show of the season? I know.
1: We, that, that, you could have had a triple header tonight after further review, this show, and then the basketball <laughs> game with us. So we hope you did that. It's a lot of us. We hope you joined us for all three. <laughs> um, and then our football picks. Yeah, should we do them? Let's do them real quick.
0: By the way, I had a good week last week, and you did not. So we'll just move right into these games.
1: I'm not ashamed. I just vote with my heart.
0: (laughs) All right. uh, Utah and USC Friday night in the Pac-12 championship in Las Vegas. I think you know I'm going USC.
1: And you know sometimes I go for Utah. Not this time. USC's on a roll. I think USC wins by 10 or more.
0: Michigan and Purdue in the biggest let down Big Ten championship game ever after the Michigan Ohio State game. They got go down to play. Last Purdue. week
1: was the Big Ten championship game and I'm gonna take Michigan to win this second Big Ten championship game. I'll be Stomp stunned
0: Purdue. if Ohio State doesn't find their way into the college football playoff.
1: I, if USC wins and beats Utah, I think they're in and, think le- they're and in? I think if TCU doesn't I think I think it's it's set if, if nobody loses. Would you take a one
0: results? loss USC over a one loss Ohio State? And the Ohio State's yeah, loss is to Michigan.
1: If, if USC beats Ohio State in or beats Utah in in good fashion so in other words they win by two touchdowns. You think they're in, huh? Yeah, I think they're in because they want the Pac-12 in there.
0: Yeah, or at so. least they want USC in there. They want I don't USC think they care there. about that. Yeah, Pac-12. they want USC in there. Big and USC's going to the Big 10. Ironic that they right. finally got their house together just so. in time to leave. Uh TCU and Kansas State in the Big 12 championship.
1: I, I, it's a great game. I'm going to take TCU cuz I think they're going to score like 50
0: that would really mess up the uh playoff if if they lost kansas state beat right TCU. and then
1: they're number 3 right now
0: lsu who just uh i'm just going to put your pick there and lsu georgia. georgia georgia's going there uh clemson and north carolina this is now an interesting one both coming off losses yeah
1: I, i'm gonna, i'm going to still go with clemson in the big game cuz they know how to win and the acc i think i'll go clemson too fresno
0: state and boise I'm state i'm taking
1: boise state i think they're dominating right now
0: Central Florida and Tulane.
1: This is a tough one. I'm yeah. going to take Tulane. This could
0: be, the winner could be the, the New Year's Six game.
1: Right. And, right? And, and Tulane, I feel like, is just playing so confidently on offense. I'm going to take Tulane.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. North Texas and UTSA. Now, why are uh, we? Why would I, we pick this one? Because UTSA is projected as a potential yeah, opponent for BYU. And I
1: think UTSA is going to win uh, that Conference USA Championship. Okay.
0: Cougars in the NFL on Sunday. Uh, Steelers at the Falcons, Tyler Algier continues to motor along.
1: And Jags at the Lions, Jamal Williams, 13 touchdowns. He just needs three to tie Barry Sanders for the Lions record. He leads the the NFL in touchdowns for a running back. Are you kidding me
0: right now? We're we're, we're talking about Barry Sanders and Jamal in the same sentence. Unbelievable. So Barry's got 16 regular season touchdowns. That's the Lions record. And here comes uh, Jamal. He needs three more over the next four or five games. He can get that.
1: Yep. Um, how about the Jets, Zach Wilson uh, at the Vikings, but, you know, is, is Zach going to play?
0: No, he's we'll not. You know Unless what, White gets hurt. You know what I hope? What do you hope?
1: I hope exactly what, because the Jets don't deserve Zach Wilson, because their fans are idiots. Um, everybody knows that, right? I grew up there. Yeah. So that's why I was a Giants fan. Um, <laughs> they forget that Josh Allen was the had the lowest completion percentage in the NFL for two seasons. The guy's like, you know, and and Steve Young was at Tampa when they weren't good, and he got out of Tampa and went to San Francisco. Let's hope that Zach gets out of the Jets and goes to San Francisco and wins some world championships. That would be a nice path to follow.
0: Dax and the commanders at the Giants. Taki Taki and the Browns to the Texans. Fred Warner is hosting the Dolphins. Awesome. That's going to be an interesting matchup yeah. with their defense and the Dolphins' and offense. Then, and
1: then the Chargers, Kyle Noy and Michael Davis at the Raiders. Those guys have been representing all year.
0: So. All right, final two minutes tonight. Here's the this day in history, a couple of interesting things.
1: 1877, Thomas Edison demonstrates his hand-cranked phonograph for the first time how about that
0: now we all have songs on our iPhones. it's on my phone so (laughs) first army navy football game on this day in 1890 navy wins 24 to nothing they'll meet two weeks from now uh the annual army navy game and we wish ken niamatalolo the very best in that one
1: 1910 the first u.s patent for inventing the traffic light system (laughs) is issued to ernest serine tired of those red lights Blame, Blame Earnest yeah. in Vegas. They're the longest lights ever.
0: Oh yeah, the Beatles release "I Want to Hold Your Hand" uh, in 1963 in the United Kingdom. How about this next one? Hey, uh,
1: eight, 1987, Joe Montana set the NFL record with 22 consecutive pass completions.
0: 22 That's, against professionals. Yeah, uh, 2009, Montreal beat Saskatchewan on a last-second field goal to win the Grey Cup. 28-27. Why do we care? And the, and the kicker actually missed his first attempt, but Saskatchewan was penalized for having too many men on the field, so they got to kick it again. He made the 33-yarder. Last week's guest, Ben Cahoon, caught a touchdown in that game and won the most outstanding Canadian award for his performance.
1: Awesome. That is awesome. All right, quick, quick birthdays. Yep, C.S. Lewis. Um, I love that quote. Ni- and his quote, You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. 1889. From one of the greatest writers ever. C.S. Lewis. Uh, 1927, yeah, eight, 18, Ben Scully. 18, 1889, right? Yeah. yeah. Ben, oh, 1969, Mariano Rivera, the Yankees closer. Scary. 1976,
0: Chadwick Bozeman, the Black Panther. Here we go. Who's since passed away.
1: Deaths, 1981, Natalie Wood. The star of Miracle on 34th Street. Cary Grant,
0: 1986. And
1: 2001, George Harrison of the Beatles.
0: Our Lavelle quote to get us out on the day that uh, the coach passed away, December 29th, right. 2016. Gil Brandt, longtime vice president of player personnel with the Dallas Cowboys and friend of the program, declared this in a tweet.
1: He said, Lavelle Edwards was the loyalist coach I ever met. Had lucrative offers elsewhere, but stayed at BYU. Never moved from first Provo house he bought, which is so true. Patty's still there today. 29 seasons, he won
0: 257 games, national championship, 10 straight WAC championships, had a run of 17 consecutive bowl games, and in 2004, inducted into the National Football Foundation and College Football Hall of Fame, the great Lavelle Edwards. Next week, Glenn Kozlowski and Cubs pitcher Michael Rucker. We look forward to that. We look forward to Thursday. If the schedule comes out for the Big 12, watch for us here and our tweets and all of that stuff. And we'll keep you posted as Wise Guys rolls into a new week. Amen. For Blaine Fowler, I'm Dave McCann. We're the Wise Guys, wiseguys.com, YouTube, Twitch, wherever we're at in the community. Just say hello, and we're so glad that you watch and you listen. Thanks again. Have a great week.